Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. This morning you will notice um, that the communion uh, is set in front of us today, the communion table. And in case you are visiting with us or maybe newer to our fellowship um, at Brian Bible Church, uh, we celebrate communion together approximately six times a year in our morning service, or that also will include our Good Friday service often as well. And I just want to remind you once again that you do not need to be a member of our church. Um, This does not save you, uh, does not uh, do anything different as far as your standing before the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a member of the church, the body of Christ, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you know Christ as Savior, you are welcome to share in communion with us. So a little bit later on, I'm going to have a meditation. And today we're going to serve the cup first, and I'll tell you why. A little different order than we normally serve. And then we will serve the small pieces of bread um, as well uh, afterward. But we're going to have a, a short meditation. We'll serve the cup, then another short meditation, and then we'll serve the bread. Uh, but let's begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of standing here and sitting here today. We look forward to uh, worshiping you uh, through uh, sharing the bread and the cup as we are reminded of the price that was paid for our, sacri- our, sa- our salvation, the sacrifice given for us. And we are also reminded of what it means to us to participate uh, one, one another, with one another, in the family of God, and uh, to share your blessings and share our ministry and stewardship together. We do ask your blessing now as we just look into your word for a few minutes, as we share in these elements. We also pray for our children as they are meeting, that you will bless them as they hear your word and share together as well. In our wonderful Savior's name, we pray these things. Amen. If you would like to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 11 is the passage that we often will go to during the time we actually share in the the bread and the cup. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, 1 Corinthians is Paul is addressing uh, the church at Corinth. They had their challenges like every church. Uh, They had their strengths. And uh, as 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 he writes to them, and um, I, wanna, I want us to look at verse uh, 16 of chapter, um, chapter 10. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one loaf. This is is in the context of a very uh, well-known verse, I think, verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful, will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. And this is the context where he then goes into talking about the cup and the bread. We, we believe in the early church um, as they met together and uh, 
most likely met on Sunday evening, because Sunday was a work day in the Roman world, that they would come together and apparently they would oftentimes share a meal together, a common meal, and as well as share in the bread and the cup as part of that meal and worship and learn as the early church gatherings began. And uh, I want you to notice in this particular passage that he mentions the cup first. Is not the cup of thanksgiving, which we give, verse 16, a participation in the blood of Christ? I titled this message this morning, The, the Common, and that is because the word that is, is very predominant in this passage is the word that you probably have heard, koinonia. That's a Greek word, but it's become so much a part of our Bible uh, language and culture that there are camp koinonias, there are koinonia fellowships. You probably have heard this word. The word koinonia comes from koinos, which is the common. It means common. And obviously the, the connection there between communion, common, koinos. And um, in this particular case, he says, is not the cup that we take, it's a cup, I want you to notice, a cup of thanksgiving, by which we give thanks for the koinonia, the participation, and the word is koinonia, the fellowship in the blood of Christ. He actually began his epistle to the Corinthians, if you go back in the same book, to chapter 1, and as he, in his greeting to the church at Corinth, and uh, in, in, verse, uh, in verse 9, I think this is the passage that actually is on your bulletin this morning too. You'll notice uh, the verse, in the, we always put a verse that's appropriate for the day. And we put on there today, verses 8 and 9. He will also keep you firm to the end. So you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Again, koinonia. And this morning as we come together and we are going to share, uh, I have a cup in front of me to represent the cup of the Passover meal, which we'll talk about. And the trays here are the small cups that you will receive, and each one of them is a small amount of grape juice. And it's just a reminder to us as we take it together, that we stand in a tradition of the, the Zwingli tradition of the church history, that this is a memorial service to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a time of worship and a time of remembrance. And Paul, in this particular case, calls it a cup of thanksgiving, which reminds us that we are participants in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have a fellowship. We have a commonality. We hold in common together with our Lord Jesus Christ the blood that has cleansed us from our sins. It is interesting when you think about this cup and the first Passover service, and uh, we'll come back here to Corinthians, but I would like you if, you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Luke chapter 22. And in each of the Gospels, we have this account of what we call the Last Supper. Just to remind you, this Last Supper was at the Passover um, fellowship that each family took place of in the Jewish community. We call it um, uh, um, communion. We call it, it's called the Eucharist because the Lord gave thanks. Uh, it's called the, the blessing, which is the word eulogy. 
um, these different things that it's called. But in the original context, one of the things that's kind of interesting about this is, of course, Passover commemorates the story from Exodus of Israel's freedom from Egypt and God miraculously leading them through the Red Sea to the Sinai Peninsula uh, on their way eventually to freedom. And it's, uh, it is the, it is the um, sine qua non event, if you will, for, for Israel. Today, if, as Christians, we look to the, the crucifixion and resurrection as our, our reason to be, our, our essential of our Christian faith. For the Jews, it is the Passover. It is the, 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 the day in which, and the night in which, the, the angel of death came over the land, and all those whose homes had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost were spared death of the firstborn. But it is kind of interesting when you read the story in the Old Testament and the um, commands about keeping the Passover that this cup is really not part of it. It's the, it's the lamb and it's the blood and it's the eating of the land and those kind of things. And you'll notice here in, in uh, Luke chapter 22 that um, I want you to look at uh, verse 14. When the hour came... Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired, he, he was passionate, I passionately desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And then I want you to notice, after taking the cup, he gave thanks. Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So he takes the cup first. He blesses it. He gives thanks, and he shares it with his disciples. After that, he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup again, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And it kind of raises the, the, the question, um, which cup was it? There is, there's a cup, there's the bread, and there's a cup. In the other Gospels, we have the bread and the cup. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we have in that order the bread and then the cup, which represents the new covenant in my blood. But in this particular case, and in 1 Corinthians 10, which I already read to you, it's interesting that in that particular case, Jesus follows that order, or I mean Paul follows that order of saying, the cup that we receive, is it not a koinonia, a fellowship in his blood? And then he goes to talk about the bread. And that's why this morning I would like to serve the cup first today. Part of the solution of this, I, I, on the Jews for Jesus, which uh, many of you maybe have participated in the Christ and the Passover celebration, we've had it here. In fact, I just got an email from them this week. They'd like to do it again. I don't know if you're interested in that. We can talk about that. Um, on their website, they have a lot of wonderful information about a lot of the Jewish traditions that have impact the New Testament, of course, they use in their ministry of outreach. But the key to this, understanding this, you know, is, it, is it this cup or is it this cup particularly that we remember? Um, they, they write this, the New Testament names one of the cup, the cup taken after supper, which is traditionally the third cup. 
Jesus calls this cup the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. The apostle Paul calls it the cup of blessing, which we bless as well as the cup of the Lord. Passover, the Passover cup, is one of the central symbols of this holiday known as the Feast of Redemption. The Passover feast is also known as, is in, in culturally, the Feast of Redemption. Yet the original Passover story makes no mention whatsoever of a cup. In fact, the only biblical mention of a cup in connection with Passover is in the New Testament. When Jesus celebrated this feast with his disciples, he raised a cup at least twice during the meal to make important statements about himself. We read those in Luke. What is the significance of the cup Jesus uses during his Passover observation? Observance. I'm reading this, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this but I want you to know it came from the Jews for Jesus uh, website that you can look at on the Passover celebration. How the cup became a Passover symbol remains a mystery. We do not know, we, we do know that by the time of Jesus, that he observed the Passover, drinking a cup during the meal was an official part of observance. In fact, an ancient rabbinic source, the Mishnah, which I have a copy of, instructs those celebrating to drink from the cup four times during the service. Each time the cup is filled, it has a different name. Most agree that the first cup is the cup of Kiddush, which means sanctification. With this cup, we begin the Passover. So what I'm saying is, it, it's one cup that is filled four times. And hence, when we read in the Gospels about Jesus taking a cup, and then Paul, and then in Luke saying a cup, and then bread and cup, it is the same cup. Traditionally, during the time of Christ, it had some different meanings when it was filled each time, but it is the same cup. The first cup, which we call the Kadush, means sanctification. The second cup, which is eat, taken during the meal, is called the cup of plagues. After the main meal, the third cup is referred to as either the cup of redemption or the cup of blessing. And most, including these people and most of the Bible scholars, do tend to think that the cup referred to by the Apostle Paul is that third cup, which is when it's filled the third time, which is the cup of redemption. And as you receive this cup, the father, the head of the household would say, blessed are, among other things, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, the king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord God, king of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commands and commanded us to eat unleavened bread. The name of the Lord be blessed from now until eternity. Let us bless him of whose gifts we have partaken. Blessed be our God of whose gifts we have partaken and by whose goodness we exist. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has created the, the fruit of the vine. This cup is called, the, the, the cup, as we mentioned, the cup of redemption. It's also, as you notice in the, in the Gospels and in the Bible tradition, that it says when the Lord took this cup, that, that, he, that he gives thanks. He gives thanks. And we see this also in connection with the communion service, that our Lord Jesus Christ took the cup and he gave Thanks. Hence, it's called the Eucharist because that is a word for thanksgiving. But this idea of thanks or blessing, which also is used in the Jewish tradition, the focus is blessing on God. It's not, it's not blessing on our family or us or those of us sharing, 
but the focus is Jesus took this and gave thanks. He is giving thanks and he is blessing God the Father. And of course we believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three equally God. But he blesses God and he gives God thanks. We also read that after he shared the bread, he served the fourth cup in the Gospel of Luke. And we read here the fourth cup is often called halal, which means to uh, praise, to give thanks to God. Though some traditions call it the cup of acceptance, while others call it the cup of Elijah. And after taking this fourth cup that is mentioned in the other Gospels as well, which is really the same cup, just filled a fourth time, that the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples would pronounce the Hallel Psalms. And in fact, it would end with a song. And you'll notice in the Gospel of Mark that it says, when they had finished doing this, they sang a hymn together. I've mentioned many times, um, I would love to have been there and heard those men sing a cappella, whatever, whatever song they sang to end that service. And they went out, Jesus, wouldn't you love to hear Jesus sing? Wouldn't you have loved to hear his voice and the voice of the apostles as they lift their voices and sing after the cup of Hallel, the fourth cup? As we receive, though, this morning, this cup and share it together, I take you back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul says, is not the cup of thanksgiving, which kind of indicates the third cup, of giving thanks and blessing to God, for which we give thanks, a koinonia in the blood of Christ. And friends, this morning as we share this cup together, we are reminding ourselves and our friends and family, but we are also acknowledging, as Paul says in, first, in the next chapter of 1 Corinthians 11, that we are acknowledging the price paid for our salvation. Uh, it doesn't matter if talking and preaching about the blood of Christ and that the blood of Christ covers our sins. If this is not popular, if this is not something people want to talk, it's what the Bible says. Without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption. There's no forgiveness for sins because it pointed to the ultimate sacrifice of the cross behind us today, behind me and in front of you, is a, just a simple reminder, the empty cross, Christ is not on the cross, it's an empty cross, but it is a reminder that he died a painful, painful death. But more, more, more than the physical pain, many people were crucified, was the suffering he, saw, he, he, he received from the hand of God where the, where the Isaiah, the prophet says, it pleased God to crush him. Twice it says in that passage, he struck him, he crushed him. That's what it says in Isaiah 53, read it. Where God poured out all of his judgment and righteous judgment and anger against my sin and your sin so that you could be forgiven. And Paul says, because of that, when we share the cup, we share a koinonia, a commonality with the blood of Christ. We fellowship in the blood of Jesus Christ and our sins are forgiven. Our sins 
are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to share in that cup of communion first given at that Passover service, the third and the fourth cup, the same cup filled twice. We are going to share in that in the Christian tradition today of remembering the death of our Savior Jesus Christ. We're going to ask the elders to come forward. We're going to serve you the cup. If you would just hold it for a moment and then we will, they will come back in and then we will all share in the cup together. Apostle Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I pass on to you. And he said, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. As we share in this cup today, I remind you that we are in koinonia with the blood of Jesus Christ. It is what covers our sins and has forgiven us. And we do this in remembrance of the blood shed on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Let's drink together and hold it for a moment of quiet prayer. Father, we come to you and as a humble and thankful people. We lift this cup in thanksgiving and blessing to you. You alone are worthy of our blessings. For you have blessed us. You are holy. You are God. We love you. And in our humanness, in our brokenness, uh, we just come to you today to remind ourselves through this cup and to give you thanks that we are new creations in Jesus Christ and that we are forgiven for our sins. In Christ's name we pray. In just a moment, we're going to share the bread together. And in the same passage as we read, I want to read it to you once again. The Lord Jesus Christ is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ, and is not the bread that we break, a koinonia, a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. And it's interesting when you consider this, there's an emphasis here on two things, and not only here, but in all the Gospels as they bring the story of the Last Supper. There is an emphasis on the oneness, the unity. I mean, look what Paul says here. We do this as a reminder that we participate in Christ's body because it's one loaf, we are one body, and we partake of the one loaf. There is an emphasis on the oneness, the loaf. I have in front of me, just as a reminder of this, a loaf of bread today. It's 
a loaf. Now, I have to admit, which I'm sure is no secret to anybody, I have never in my life made a loaf of bread from scratch. Now, I don't mean, I don't mean a recipe that says take flour and that kind of thing. I've helped with that. In fact, we have a bread machine. Does that count? I'm talking about picking the wheat, thrashing the wheat, taking the chaff, separating it, preparing the wheat so it's usable to cook with, gathering all the other ingredients um, from nature, you know, from the farm, from the land. Think of think if you had to do that. You know, I don't know about you. I had toast this morning. Uh, I will have bread tomorrow. It's a staple of our diet. And yet, you know, I go to the store. I take it off the shelf. I bring it home, and we eat it. Occasionally, we we've made bread, but most of the time, not. If you think of what would go into a loaf of bread, and when and in Jesus' day and in Paul's day. They were well aware of what went into creating this loaf of bread. And when it is done, there are many ingredients in this bread, but it is one loaf. And the emphasis in this passage is that we are one. We are one together. We are in koinonia. You and I are in fellowship together with one another and with the church, the body of Christ, which means we are part of something much bigger than this church, much bigger than Puget Sound region, much bigger than the United States of America. We are part of a worldwide body of Christ that the Lord said, and Paul reiterates, is one loaf. But at the same time, you will see in this passage and in the rest of the Gospels, the emphasis that it specifically says Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He broke the loaf. And he gave out 13 pieces, 12 for disciples and one for himself. This unity was broken into pieces. But the brokenness, my friends, was never intended to represent the individuality. The brokenness was there to remind them in the future, even though they didn't understand it, that his body was broken for them. That was the point of it. But when they ate the bread, and the bread was gone, they participated in the koinonia, the fellowship of his body that was broken for them. And they ate it as one, and it remained as one. And I just want to remind you today as we come to the table, and we're going to share a small piece of bread with you today, that that small piece of bread is intended to represent the entire loaf. What a blessing. What a wonderful privilege that I know I'm not worthy of that I am in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am part of his body. Think of that. We belong to him. This morning over in the class Claude was teaching, I hope you take opportunity to to go to Sunday school and share in our classes. They're wonderful classes. Um, 
there was a, a mother, young mother sitting way over on this side of the room. And all of a sudden she got up and walked out. It wasn't because she didn't like what Claude was saying. It was because she heard her baby crying in the nursery, which was through the open door, across the hall, through another door, in the nursery. Now, how did she know that was her baby crying? Huh? She just knew. And Rachel got up and took care of your baby, Gary. (laughs) She knew the voice of her baby through two rooms and a hallway and a cross. God knows you. And there will not be one split second this week that you will be outside of his care. You are never going to leave this body and come back and leave again and come back. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are forever part of his body, a unity, and he will always know you, and he will always hear your cry, and he will always respond because you are in koinonia with him. And you know what's also wonderful? Uh, Last weekend, Teresa and I were over in Spokane, and we shared in the memorial service for my uh, son's mother-in-law, who who we've gotten to know, of course, these last three and a half years, Wonderful Christian lady, active in their church, 56 years old, and God called her home just like that. Just like that. It was a wonderful memorial service. Talked to John and Betty yesterday, and uh, Betty's nephew, Jay, uh, a service that hundreds of people watched. They didn't have a telecast they can watch. The gospel was given. A wonderful service, a wonderful servant of God, missionary in Africa. He's, he's gone from us. I mean, others, like the Sylvie this week, and her mother, wonderful Christian lady, she's with the Lord, Helen King. Listen, I just want to remind you today, and I thought of this especially as Therese was reading something that our dear Sharon Bowers uh, posted today and reminding her about Gary and, and their life together. I just want to remind you of this. When our loved ones leave here, they are not broken off of this loaf. We are not separated into pieces. Our loved ones and us are still one loaf. We are just not in physical proximity right now. But think of that day. Think of that moment when the Lord returns And if we are still here when he returns, if we haven't gone to be with him, and we are all called together, and we are resurrected, and we are all together in proximity as one loaf, and the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father and Holy Spirit receive what belongs to them, it is not a matter of the pieces being reattached. We were never detached. We are one loaf and will be for eternity. We are participants and in koinonia with God and with one another for all eternity. So I want us to share the bread together today and remind ourselves of this wonderful blessing of the hope of eternal life which we have now and will share with him forever.
So the Apostle Paul, in this passage in Corinthians, I received from the Lord, Paul received this from the Lord, his teaching for his church, what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after what we read already about serving the cup, when he finished this section, the Apostle Paul says this, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why do we do this? The reason is, the Apostle Paul says, we do this to proclaim the death of our Lord and that we are in koinonia, fellowship, with his broken body, but his beautiful body, sinless body, and that we are in koinonia together with the church, the body of Christ, and that we are an expectant people. We have had expectant mothers, and we still have one to go. <laughs> and um, they're expecting something exciting and wonderful. We are expecting. Are you expecting, God? Are you expecting Christ to come back? Are you? Do you believe it's real? Do you believe that at any moment he will return? And when we are together, those loved ones in our family for the centuries, going back to the beginning of the church, that we will really be with them? Do you believe that you will really see Jesus Christ, whom you've read about, whom you've worshipped, whom we've... Do you really believe that? A Passover meal each year for an observant family is a place setting that remains empty for Elijah the prophet, the honored guest at every Passover table, every family. And the Jewish people expect Elijah to come at Passover and announce the coming of the Messiah. So a place is set a cup is filled with wine and hearts are expectant for Elijah to come and announce the good news. And this cup is here after all the other cups have been drunk. And at the end of the Seder meal, Seder meal, a child is sent to the door to open it and see if Elijah has come to their house to announce the Messiah. But every year the child returns disappointed and the wine is poured out without being touched until next year. We do this together, the Apostle Paul says, that we too are reminding ourselves, he is coming again, and he is coming for us, and it may be today. Let us eat the bread together. Our Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I can speak for this congregation, this family, this church. And Lord, we are a family. We are not all young, and we are not all old, and we are not all in between. We are a family, and it's good for us to be a family. It is good to have the grandparents, and the older, and the younger, and the in-between, and the children. It is so good, Lord, because it is what a family should be. And I thank you for that. I thank you for these 50 years that you have blessed this church, that you've enabled us to be a family. And Lord, uh, 
I know I also speak for this family that my life gets busy. My life is full of things. And I confess, I do not live on that cutting edge of expectancy as I should. That you are coming soon. It could be today. And Lord, I just pray that we as a church family might live on that cutting edge. That we might be an expectant people. And that we might walk on this earth and be your hands and feet and to keep our eyes focused on you and to listen for that shout and that trumpet call and we will be with you. In Christ's name I pray and give you thanks this day. Amen. Thank you for coming and sharing our service with us today. You know, we pray for many people And I just want to say it's good to have Betty Ward with us today. We've been praying for you, Betty, and she's back with us. And uh, we just thank God for healing and strength and continue to pray for all those we mentioned to you today. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Look up. Walk with him. Be his hands and his feet and his heart as you share the Lord Jesus Christ this week. Father, we thank you again for the privilege of gathering. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for their encouragement, support. I thank you for the elders, Lord, that... We just have the tradition in our church that that the elders generally serve communion, and we do so because they are servants, and it's a reminder that they are here to serve your family, and I thank you for them, and I thank you for all who serve in this family, and may we truly be a family of God as we reach out to our neighborhood and world with the love of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray today, amen.